It's a beautiful, warm, early summer's day. First of June. Temperature's 28 degrees. Nightingales are singing. Chaffinches are singing. There's warblers in the reeds. And we're looking forward to a long, warm summer here in Finland. And uh, today we're on the outskirts of Turku, the old capital city of Finland, and on the island of Ruisolo or Runsolo. Um, I'm Martina Huatinen and I work at Natur Okmilje, which is an organization that works for environmental education and mm, nature uh, protection. Nature protection, yeah. Mm. And you're running a, a project that's uh, based on language and, and summer camps. Could you tell a little bit about that? Well, the idea is to promote uh, multilingualism or bilingualism and to uh, lessen the, the negative aspects and the barriers between children in, of different language groups who speak different languages. Because Finland is a, is a bilingual country and we have a minority that's Swedish-speaking and a ma majority that's Finnish-speaking and there's some Sometimes there are um, difficulties between these groups and a lot of the times the, the school system is also divided in Swedish schools and Finnish speaking schools and sometimes children who live in, in families that aren't bilingual they never meet kids that speak another language and they live very isolated from the other culture. So with this project we want to make it easier to meet kids who speak the other language and get to know the other culture and kind of in a playful, relaxed manner get to try to use the other language. Mm. And the methodology is then using uh, language immersion, so they, they speak then both Swedish and Finnish yes. during the camp. Yeah. Well, they don't have to speak if they don't know enough, but <laughs> the, the method methodology is language immersion. So most camps will try to get about 50% Swedish-speaking children and 50% Finnish-speaking children. And then we have games and normal summer camp activities. But the camp instructors have received a, a special education on how to use language in according to a special methodology that will help the kids use the other language and communicate with each other. Yeah, and then the project will be uh, evaluated also by the Helsinki University that have some researchers that are looking into the effectiveness of what you're doing. Yes, we're cooperating with the Helsinki University and also another environmental organization which is Luantolito, which is a Finnish-speaking organization. Natura Milieu, where I work, is a Swedish-speaking organization. So we're also trying to increase the cooperation and interaction between our organizations. Mm, okay, so it's really a collaborative project. Yes, yeah. it is, on, mm. on in ver various different levels. Mm. And uh, the location of all these camps, so it, it's in nature, so it's uh, summer camps, surroundings, a lot of outdoor activities. What do you think that adds to the programs if you compare it to, for example, running a similar kind of project in schools? Um, I think the setting is really important because um, it makes the interaction between the children easier when they're working together and living together in camp. You have all the normal day-to-day -day routines. You wake up, you eat together, 
you wash up, you clean, go swimming, have a sauna, and then you also have all the games and and other activities, and then having the nature around you, and a lot of the, well, most of the activities are, um, have to do with outdoor education, which lessens the tension and stress of the children, and makes it easier to um, kind of relax, especially for some of the children who might have a little bit of tension about meeting uh, children who don't speak the same language and might find it difficult to communicate and when they're doing something together they don't really think about the language it's not a problem they just get to know each other and play together mm. and concentrate on the activities instead of the language and the communication difficulties okay. and what about the location of the camp so it's uh, run in different parts of finland do the participants normally come from the local area or do they choose to go to it? For example, a camp that's a little bit further away from their home. Well, both actually. Um, we have some camps that are further up north in Ostrobothnia, and most of those those children come from the nearby communities. But uh, in the southern parts, we have children from Helsinki tend to be ready to travel further away. That's probably because they come from a bigger city, and it's nicer to come. And our camps are located in really nice natural settings and all of them are by the sea so they have um, they can play in the water and uh, study and do research with different insects and, and they also there's also forest there mm. outside all the camps yeah and uh, i mean the swedish speaking people in finland are very much based then in, in the geographical area where you're working and along the coast and um, do you think there's a, a connection then between the landscape where you have the camps and the language? Or for example, could you equally as well do this that you could take 10 French speaking kids and 10 Swedish speaking kids and mix them together in Finland? Or is there something that comes from the landscape, extra elements? Hmm. I think you could do this kind of activity with with any language, of course, you'd have to take in account in a different way the, the, the more the cultures of the children differ, then you'd have to take that in account when you're planning the camp because now, of course, even though the children do have the different languages and, and maybe slightly different twist in their culture, they're all Finnish children and they're, they're all used to this kind of nature and this kind of setting, so if you take a French French group or Japanese group, it would be um, the cultural differences for those children would be so much larger. Something that would be completely normal for the Finnish children would be very unusual and different for the foreign children. So that would add another dimension yeah, to yeah. the camps. And maybe also then the relationship to being in nature, for example, yes. could also be different. Definitely. Yeah. Mm, and uh, how big a part do the nature-based activities play in the camps? Is it a very integral part? So environmental education and outdoor education compared, for example, to more like just uh, doing different kind of sports? It, it, it's, it's very important and an integral part of the camps. Um, because of our organization, our background, we try to 
try to organize the camps according to sustainable practices. We have vegetarian food mostly, and it's um, it's kind of in the whole process and in the daily routines of how you how you are at camp and what you eat and what you do and what you do with your trash and with your dishes and how you are in nature and we talk about plants and what are these called kretslop yeah so then different cycles different cycles for example water cycle and and the camp instructors have have knowledge of that and try to explain things of course in a playful manner because it's a summer camp and you're supposed to have fun so it's not school yeah and they're not there to learn a hundred new plants or 50 new birds but (laughs) but still it's when you walk in the forest and you can sit down and we have uh, different activities to wake up the senses and feeling and touch and sight and taste different ways for example on on some of the camps this year we have a um, another educator who's going to come and visit and She's going to focus on, on tasting things. They'll have a, a program about tasting wild wild food, nettles, and making tea and pancakes with wild ingredients. Okay, that's good. So that's a new thing for this year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and what kind of background do the instructors have? Are they more environmental, biologists, or sports? Or um, mostly they have... Um, they're either into... Uh, education or then environment so we have um, people who are studying to be biologists Um, we have wilderness guides we have people who've done scouting Um, and we also have um, some young women women who are studying to be teachers and specialized in certain areas of education and what about in the project? Have you had any surprises? Maybe good, positive or, or negative surprises in, in how, how the programs have worked? Mm. Well, surprises? I don't know, but it, it's, it's been really positive to see how, how the so-called language barrier isn't a problem for most children. We've, um, because this is a research project we we follow up really carefully about what happens on the camps we videotape most of the activities and we also have interviews and and not a single child last year said that the language was a problem and uh, but for example during one camp the fir- during the first day one of the boys asked the camp instructor why are you speaking so much in Finnish he was a Swedish speaking and he didn't understand any Finnish and then it was explained to him and by the end of the week he didn't really mind he'd gotten used to the bilingual use and that mm-hmm. everything is in two languages and uh, and it, it's also really nice how the children try to communicate even though they might not have have the enough language so we've had we could follow an inter- interesting conversation between a Swedish speaking and a Finnish speaking boy and one was trying to attach his his lamp inside the tent and he couldn't get it to fix it and he was speaking in Finnish and then the other boy started helping him and talking in Swedish and they <laughs> had this conversation b- where they kind of understood each other by showing and motions and they were perfectly happy and also the 
children are really interested in the background so they've been asking oh so so why doesn't he understand any Finnish and oh it's so interesting that he really speaks Swedish at home too and they'll ask the camp instructors for words that they don't have so they can continue go and play together or have a conversation so in a way that the, the the language becomes very much a natural part of what they're doing and then if they I suppose they they get to some practical situations that they have to solve things together and they, yes. they, they have then all the objects around to help them exactly. with the communication. And that's what we're in our um, planning before the camps. We try to plan for activities that include a lot of cooperation and and, and participation while they, they'll be working in a group and working in pairs two and two or working but playing and different games where they're together and also we try to um, create situations where where the camp instructor or the adults aren't the the force that's making things happen but the kids are doing it themselves so that they interact and communicate and that the things they're doing are interesting interesting enough for them to forget everything else and just do for example one of the favorite things to do is when they learn how to use a the storm kitchen a tangia yeah and um, they have different activities where they learn how to use it and assemble it and disassemble and light it and they practice. But at the end of each camp, we usually have kind of a master chef trangia race. Okay. So <laughs> they work in groups and uh, then they get to the camp instructors auction out different kinds of ingredients and the group plans what they're going to do together and then they, they're allowed to make a dish and then they present their dish. And of course, even though they're going to have to work together and they do it completely independently and the camp instructors help where needed. But you can have these interesting conversations where one girl was saying, so tell Anna to cut the apples. And then the one who knew some more Swedish would say, cut apple, you. Okay. <laughs> and then she'd say, lend her your knife, lend knife. And then the Swedish speaking girl would answer, because she could still follow the Finnish conversation and they worked with happily. They were deciding on who's going to cut the apples and who's going to melt the margarine and we're making things. And, and they were completely immersed in the activity and the game. And mm. So in a way, they, they, they forget all those barriers. That exactly. It just becomes a natural yeah. Yeah. And they teamwork. Get, yeah, they notice that everybody's person behind the language, not <laughs> just a normal person. Yeah, yeah. So learning through doing exactly in a way yeah. yeah and i think one of the good things at camps is that you have of course all these activities and games but really if you if you eat and sleep and shower and and live with somebody you you learn a lot more and it's very different it becomes very personal mm. you bond in a different way than if you just meet in a classroom or even outside a classroom just to have a few games and activities because when you're together 24 hours a day you get a different relationship with people yeah so it's a holistic experience in a way exactly yeah. using multi-sensory yeah. activities well if um if you could give someone some advice if someone was um wanting to set up a camp or maybe also have a focus on for example language learning in a summer camp environment or outdoor program could you give some good tips 
or maybe what you think are the most important elements of your program? Um, well, if you think about the language as aspect, I'd recommend that you really think about it beforehand and get to know a little bit about the pedagogy and the mythologies that you can use because it will give so much more more to the activities and it will also be easier when you're there's also always when you're at camp or doing an activity you have to focus on that activity and on the children and how it's working so you kind of have to teach yourself first how to think about the language aspect so that you're 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 immersed in it yourself make that easier and you don't have to think because well, you're not teaching a language you're not teaching grammar in a way, it's just the way of thinking and the way of being that's kind of different where you um, notice things in the language so that you can help the children in different activities. Um. And um, I know you, you have a background both then in, in working with sustainable issues and environmental education, also language. Um, but maybe what were the things that you get from being in nature or what in a way attracts you to working more in outdoor, outdoor based? Um, well, for me personally, it's a calming effect <laughs> and uh, clearing my mind effect. Uh, I'm the kind of person who has a lot of things going on in my head all the time, a lot of feelings and it's easier to to go to somewhere where it's open and calm and, and get kind of everything settled and I think that's really one of the mm, one of the effects that I've noticed most when working with children to outside that it helps them calm down and focus and enjoy doing what they're doing even though you're not really teaching them to do it for example what what I've noticed with with groups and also a lot of our nature school teachers will say that they really rarely have have problems with with kids who in school are considered um, hyperactive or problematic. Then when you take them out into a nature setting, they they function really well. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you can basically do anything outside, and it'll work better than in a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And it also gives um, being outside and doing nature activities is a bit like you said earlier. It's a holistic experience. So the the forms of cooperations are 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 so many, and also the the relationship between the children grow, and they might even get to know. Usually, in, in a class or classroom or school setting, they'll have certain friends, and they're always in those groups. And then when you go outside and you work in a different way, they'll get to know each other better and they might get new friends and build new relationships too. And I think a lot of times when you're outside and you, you focus on nature instead of yourself, you relax and don't have that many um, expectations on other people either. You let them be what they are, just like you let a tree be a tree. <laughs> So it's an accepting environment. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you choose yourself, um, do, do you have a favourite kind of landscape or a favourite environment? 
that you like to go to, for example, to, to relax? Um, yes, I like the sea, the ocean. It's probably because I've grown up by the ocean. I wasn't very much out in the forest when I was younger. Actually, I haven't started being in the forest until I was an adult. And the first time I was quite unexpectedly left alone in a, a foreign forest was it was kind of not that nice <laughs> I had to had to really calm myself down and remember okay this is just a forest and it's quite fun and then since then I've been quite relaxed I like open landscapes I do like forests too but I like them if they're slightly more open okay so you're more yeah, open like, landscape yeah open landscapes and the sound of the waves that's the waves and also for example, rivers or, or streams twinkling, mm. that's my favorite sounds. Mm. So the water elements are water, important yeah. in the landscape. Yeah. I have a friend who used to say that the only thing I needed to be happy was a library and a pool of water to put my hand in. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what about a season? If you could choose a favorite season, what would you choose and, and why? Yeah, this is a question that I really don't like. Because <laughs> I, I like all season when they're at their best. And what does best mean for you then? Best means um, a warm, a warm summer. I, I'm kind of a person who's very cold very easily, and I lived in hot countries when I was small, so I really don't like the cold, and I'm not suited for it. But in winter, I love it when there's snow and there's sun. There's nothing more beautiful than a snowy, sunny landscape. In fall, I love the colors. So in Finland, summer is really, really green. There's a lot of green everywhere. So when fall comes with its yellow and its orange, it's like a completely new landscape opens up. And I love that too. And spring, spring is just beautiful because you, after all that barren winter brown, which you, we usually have in Turku, because we don't have the snowy, sunny landscape. <laughs> Everything starts waking up and first the green is really light and then you have the flowers and the smells and that classical awakening and new possibilities and the sun coming up and the longer days and feels like, you know, life is gonna win again. <laughs> yeah, so. Really don't have favorite, but don't put me anywhere where it's cold and wet okay all other <laughs> <laughs> all other things are good well we're lucky today it's a beautiful uh, really hot early summer day yeah. in, uh, in, in Turku um, if someone wants to know more about your project is there a web page they can go to or I know that the um, research report should be ready maybe 2017 in the autumn is there some links yeah, I'm we have um, oh, Natura Milieu's web pages. We have our own pages, and they're called Nature and Language, Natur Oxprok. And we have information about the project, about the research. We have some links to other research things, and about the camps. And we also, we already started um, last year analyzing the camps, and, and we've made a um, handbook. Yeah, a handbook. A handbook about the different things that you should take in consideration when working with this kind okay. of bilingual 
education and in and it the handbook is going to be revised in the fall of 2016 and published properly 2017 but it, it's already there on our net pages if if somebody but it's only in Swedish it's going to come out and finish too at the end of the year and it it will really give you a a good sense of the work we've been doing and how you can work with this kind of bilingual groups. Okay, well thank you very much and uh, I know you're very busy with all the camps about to start next week so thank you for sharing your ideas today in Fruisola. And thank you. <laughs> you can find out more information about the project Naturaksprog by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast. You've been listening to the Nature Path podcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. My name's Jim Simpson. Thank you.